happy Hope Day, everyone, and welcome back to Life Works Better with Coach Mel. And with hostess Clarissa. Oh, I always forget. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, he's waiting to jump in. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And... excited to be here. <laughs> and you can tell Mel Vito is ready to go. Yes. Series 14, episode number 15. You know what, Mel Vito? Tell me. We discussed <clears throat> earlier before we uh, got on the podcast today that we missed a very special uh, day. Yes. Christmas. <laughs> no, not Christmas. Oh, okay. Happy anniversary. <coughs> Thank you. You're welcome. It is the second one, right? Yes. This is your second year as a master podcaster. Yes. And uh, you have been so consistent, and it has just been a great, 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 great journey. Yes. And um, just happy anniversary. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Wow. So did we get the, how's the, uh, I think we should. How does the audience feel about it? Oh. I mean, they're they're just sitting out there, all you folks out there in podcast land. The audience is just sitting here in the studio, yes. and they're just sitting on their hands, just waiting for the signal because they just can't wait to clap. Are, just one hand, though. The other hand, they're holding their Principio coffee or tea. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this well, morning. Drinks on everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, drinks for everyone. <laughs> and, Clarissa, you've just about finished already whatever that was. Oh, you weren't. Goodness. I think it's a Cinnabon. It's a, it's a Cinnabon, uh, either frappe or iced coffee. Yeah, I think it's. I think we'd call it an iced Cinnabon latte. Latte. It yeah, is delightful. Yes. It's delightful. You asked me, you said, you know, well, well Clarissa, what, what are you tasting? And I'm like, I'm tasting all the wonderful ingredients to make a Cinnabon. <laughs> <laughs> Cinnamon and caramel and vanilla. This is just refreshing. It, it, was, it just hit the spot today. And it's going to be a very hot day today. Yes, it Extremely is. Extremely hot. And it's going to be a hot broadcast oh, podcast, this, yes. This whole series has been, <laughs> I mean, something else. It's been great. So big shout out to our sponsor here, Principio Coffee and Tea. So for all of your coffee and tea needs, get that subscription, that monthly subscription. Get yes. that. Make sure you have it going in. And then you get enough to share. Yep. So we can do that, too. I'm actually taking a bag. A Principio over to a very dear friend of mine who's 83 years old. Wow. And she is a coffee connoisseur, so she drinks it black. So there's a blend that Principio has that's extremely uh, strong. Yes. And you can only get it ground by request. It's that strong. So <laughs> that's the bag that I'm taking over to uh, Miss Cunningham. Okay. And so I know that she's going to enjoy that. Those people, I think, who like uh, that New Orleans style mm-hmm. coffee from is it Cafe Dumont or something yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. It has that chicory type yes. flavor to yeah. it. That's this coffee. Yeah. So it's just like, a real deep roast. It's oh, just it's amazing. Al- almost, almost to the part of burning the bean, but just and that Liz has that perfect touch. Oh, it's awesome. You don't need sugar. You don't need cream. And I'm a creamer and sugar person. I must have it. But with this particular blend, it, it's flavorful all within itself. It's yes. Great. Yeah, she's, so big she's shout done. out to them and Liz. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we love yes. Liz. All right, so Coach, what are, what pathway are we discussing today? I think we have well, new people here. Yes, yeah. we're we're discussing uh, worship. Life works better with worship. Yes, and 
that worship again comes from the old English word worthship. So uh, to take all the mystery out of worship, uh, whatever I value most is what I worship. In spite of what I say, or even my actions on Sunday morning or Saturday night or whenever it may happen, uh, what I value most is what I worship, and that's uh, that's just according to the to the meaning of the word. And many times we uh, we fool ourselves and do what uh, C.S. Lewis called linguistic suicide. Oh wow! Does that have something to do with words? Yes. Mm, okay. And linguistic suicide is when we when we uh, we think we know what a word means, and so we just use it. But then we just uh, we narrow it down to mean what we want it to mean. <laughs> and so we bring the meaning to the word rather than letting the word bring the meaning to us. Wow. And so linguistic suicide, we're, we're, we're killing our own language. We're killing our ability to communicate and to understand. And we're, we're, when we get away from the real meaning of words, we get away from the effectiveness of communication. And so to say worship, life works better with worship, what does that mean? Well, it all goes back to values. And uh, something that I would just devote 70 minutes to a week <laughs> out of 168 hours uh, could hardly be called worship. So uh, we've talked about uh, uh, worship and worship in the scriptures. And, of course, Jesus is uh, tremendously helpful statement in John chapter 4 when he just pulled the rug out from under all the people who think worship needs to be only done in one place or in one way when he said the day is coming and even is now <laughs> that those who worship God will not worship in Sychar or even in Jerusalem but true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And so there, I mean, a big part of that is understanding the truth of what the word means. When we get back to really to, if, if God is the, and, and my spiritual life and my relationship to the creator, when that is the most important thing in my life, that's the only time I worship. When, when that is in place and when everything else is, is, comes below that priority. And I, I want to say something else about linguistics while I'm here, while I'm on this this uh, apple crate. <laughs> Might as well go on with this. People talk about priorities. You know, you get your priorities right. Uh, I, I have a little correction about that. The term itself, it restricts its use to the singular only. You can't have two priorities. Priority means what's first. You can't have five things that are first. Right. <laughs> and we, but we use it that way. We say, get your priorities right. And what are your priorities? You need to get your priorities. No, that is a list of things that we consider to be important. Right. But there's only one priority. From the, of course, from the Latin pri, P-R-I, from primary, uh, just meaning uh, one and uh, singular. Where is that derived from, the pri part? Uh, from, from Latin. Okay. Yes. Yes. I knew you would know. As in, yeah, as, as in primary mm -hmm. uh, and uh, primal, I mean, going all the way back to the very beginning, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so it, it, it still has uh, 
and and likewise with Principio, the PRI, with uh, beginning or first. And so, yeah, there's only one priority. So you don't get your priorities straight. You get your priority in place. And you make, and that's the the kernel of, of truth of Matthew 6, 33. When I make the kingdom of God and his justice, number one, then all those other things will be added. As long as, as, long as uh, worship and as long as God is just uh, one in a list of important things, uh, that's, not, that's not worship. And so priority, we want to make that our priority, our relationship with God, and to worship him in spirit and in truth. And uh, you said something uh, just off the air early on, Clarissa, that one thing that this series had, uh, had done for you is that it just opened up the idea of worship, and it wasn't just something that you do. Uh, how did you put that? <laughs> it wasn't something that you would just, you know, it's not just constricted to one thing, meaning that how we were taught, we were taught to go to church and sit down or stand up and sing a song, a slow song primarily, and that's worship. And it's so much bigger than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much bigger. It's broad even. Um, and and it's, it's liberating because now I look at what I'm doing and it's various things that I do. Like the temperance of who I am is a form of worship. Yes. I like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I can appreciate myself better. You know, yes. sometimes there's things about you don't really like or wonder why. Yeah. And it gives you more clarity, you know, as to why you're made the way you're made. Why do you like nature? Why do you have to go to the lake to clear your mind? You yes. Know? So Because that's your pathway. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's your pathway to peace. That's your pathway to worship. Mm -hmm. That's your connection. Sacred Pathways. Uh, Gary Thomas, I think, mm -hmm. is the author of that. Gary Thomas. Uh, nine uh, Pathways. And again, these are not parts of personality, but they're parts of spirituality, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> ways that our spirit uh, expresses and communicates uh, with God. And so we've talked about uh, several. Uh, last week we talked about the uh, caregiver and as a, as a sacred pathway. And today we're going to talk about the enthusiast. Mm -hmm. The enthusiast. Uh, enthusiasm. Something that, uh, that, frankly speaking, uh, some people lack. <laughs> Let's get some enthusiasm. Again, word nerd. Yeah, th this this series, of this uh, episode is gonna be filled with with the word nerd the edition. Word nerd, <laughs> the word nerd edition. <laughs> Welcome to the word nerd edition. Uh, enthusiast is is from a Greek word, and it means uh, God inside you. So if someone's enthusiastic about something, then they there's like that spirit. There's like uh, it, it's like God inside of you, and then that's how it's expressed. And so for the enthusiast, the spirit of God that's within us, it's and it's usually seen as being something uh, very expressive. Mm -hmm. And this word right here is many times linked to the word charismatic. So the enthusiast, and uh, I think it's interesting that uh, Gary Thomas didn't use the, the term charismatic here. I think he was being a little more elusive about this mm -hmm. uh, to kind of give us a chance to be a little more open-minded about it. But basically what he's saying, I mean, enthusiast is, the, is from the Greek word. If it goes into Latin, from Greek into Latin and then into English, it's, uh, it's like the word charismatic. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk about that for a little while because uh, 
back in the oh, 70 or 80 years ago, when there was uh, the beginning of what came to be called the third wave of, of the Spirit, that uh, the first wave that they talk about in terms of American Christianity was the Azusa Street Revival in the early 1900s in, in uh, California, of course. Uh, and, uh, and then came the, uh, the, the next wave, which was uh, mainly emphasizing healing, and it was the, the healing services and the large crusades, uh, and it was really emphasizing uh, the gift of the, of the Spirit, and especially in terms of healing. And, and, then, and, and, and that, was, uh, that was kind of uh, restrictive in a way, uh, and had some, a lot of resistance from uh, traditional uh, Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was kind of outside the, the borders, you know, uh, in a way. But then in the 50s and on into the 60s, 60s came a third wave that came to be known as the charismatic wave. Mm-hmm. And the charismatic movement, I think. Yes, I heard the that charismatic term. movement. And it was, uh, it was mainly uh, characterized by a type of worship. That was very expressive, where people clapped their hands, raised their hands, danced around. It was lively music, but it was also very, very somber and serious in in ways. I mean, I've been in in, in what would be some would consider a charismatic service, and more than half the congregation were on their face on the floor just in in worship. And so, uh, charismatic enthusiasts mean it that it's just very expressive, that you can you can look at someone and tell. Hey, something's on the inside of them. Something, <laughs> something is having an effect on them. And so, the the enthusiast is not one who who just enjoys go to, going to church and just sitting there and reading the bulletin and hearing a, a special, sing first, second, last of a couple of hymns, and then hear anywhere from a twenty to a forty minute speech, and uh, and then go home. Uh, that's not the enthusiast. The enthusiast wants to be to, ready to engage with the senses, with uh, to be energetic about it. And so, charismatic it was a it was a word that was uh, that was used uh, because of a, an understanding of what was happening, a release of the of the Holy Spirit, and uh, the word uh, charis from the Greek. Uh, meaning grace or gift. And uh, so it was like an emphasis on the gifts and not just the gift of healing, but, but uh, all the spiritual gifts. But again, worship, a worship style was, was very much attached to that. And uh, I can remember having people, uh, hearing people say that, that they weren't charismatic and never wanted to be charismatic. And I'm like, wait a minute now, you, you might ought to know what that word means first. Charismatic. Uh, it's uh, from the Greek through the Latin. It comes from charis, which means grace, and then the suffix matic, which means to be moved along by. So pneumatic is something that's moved along by air, pneuma, the Greek word for air. Uh, automatic, something that's moved along by itself. It's self-propelled if it's automatic. So here's charismatic. A charismatic was simply someone, uh, uh, definitively, was someone who was moved along by grace. Now, 
I want to be charismatic. I want to be moved by grace, and I want to be moved along by grace. <laughs> well, you know, I want to ask you, Coach, why do you think there's this negative connotation or, or negative thoughts that's connected to charismatic or charismatic people mm-hmm. or charismatic, uh, um, charismatic church service? Why? Where did this negativity come from that's associated with that? Well, I can only give you uh, one redneck Cajuns. <laughs> Perspective. Okay. <laughs> Which, as, as you can tell, can be quite limiting <laughs> in, in a way there. <laughs> uh, but uh, one of the reasons that I feel that, that many times it's a, uh, a term that many have seen to promote division is because people don't understand these pathways of the way people worship. Okay. So for a long time, there there had been this pent-up uh, need to express something that's on the inside of me, mm-hmm. that God is in me, and 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 my way of worship is a way that uh, that that uh, Gary Thomas has uh, has termed as an enthusiast. By the way, enthusiast was a term that the, the people at Oxford University in the 1700s, that's a term that they started putting on uh, John and Charles Wesley, the uh, originators of the Methodist movement. They started calling them enthusiasts as a derogatory term because they would, they would really have open expressions of, of what the Lord was doing, and they were very active in their worship, and, and they, they said worship is not something that you come and, and have done to you. It's not something that you just come and sit and watch other people and call it worship. No, you have to get involved. They were called enthusiasts, and that was a derogatory term. And charismatic was also a derogatory term. It was used many ways and many times. Oh, they're just they're charismatic. You know, it's like a, avoid that person. You know, you had leprosy or you were charismatic or something. You know, <laughs> just wow. kind of stay away from them. But it's because people didn't understand that, that there was a, a, a pathway of approaching God mm-hmm. that was pent up in people all over the world. And, and, and we had been told too long by theologians that this is the proper way to do things. Mm-hmm. This is a proper way to, this is the proper way you express your appreciation to God is by coming and standing and kneeling at the right time and say, and reading yeah. this prayer. That's ritualistic. And yes. Absolutely. But now there's some people who really connect to God with that way. That's true, but we can't, you can't lock everybody. <laughs> yes. And I would just, I'd lose it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so what happened is, uh, well, I, I'll, I'll tell a story. I, I went to a seminary in Denver, Denver Seminary in, in 1980, and uh, my uh, 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 doctor, uh, Dr. Weber, uh, a history professor, course i love history and it's one of my favorite uh, professors there at the seminary and he was very open-minded and so he invited this uh charismatic greek orthodox metropolitan which is kind of like a uh, would be an archbishop in the uh, in terms of church organization with the greek orthodox church and i still remember that person's name his name was father eusebius stephanou now that qualifies to be greek 
<laughs> no matter what. I'll take your word for Father it. Father <laughs> Eusebius Stephanou. Wow. Yes. And uh, he came and and he said that, that his, now this was in 1980. So that's when there were still a lot of negative things about charismatic, charismatic movement. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, those, those terms uh, uh, for uh, and descriptions of experiences. And that, uh, that Greek Orthodox leader uh, was charismatic. He believed in being moved along by grace. He was open to all the gifts, had expressed all the gifts, was open to all the gifts. And when someone in this uh, Baptist <laughs> seminary said, well, you know, how, how would a, a Greek Orthodox metropolitan, how would he get involved in what's called the charismatic movement? He said, well, uh, just co- when what was on the inside of me, when I just released it, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. He said, I'd always called myself that, but you hadn't. Just because it hadn't been released yet, but I was always open to that. And uh, he said uh, that his observation was that God couldn't wait on theologians forever to bring about unity. And, you know, I thought about that. He said there is a unity of experience. Now, there were, uh, there were some uh, fundamentalist, some traditionalist in, in Protestant uh, America that, uh, that said, well, that, uh, they really pushed back against that say, well, it's not all about experience. But I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, you fundamentalists, y'all talk about the experience of the new birth, and you tell the other people from the Catholic, the Lutheran, Presbyterian, Anglican, Episcopalian, you tell them, no, you have to have an experience. So now someone comes along and tells those people that have had the new birth experience that, no, there's another experience, and then they say, no, no. I said, okay, just put yourself in the position of the people that you try to tell that no it's, a, it's an experience. So it is an experience. And the enthusiast is someone who wants to experience worship and wants to release an experience and wants to be joyful and expressive about it. Uh, the interesting thing about it, I mean, I'd have people say, well, that's, that's not who I am. I said, well, no, that's not who you are at church, but I saw you, I saw you, you were being a charismatic at the ball game the other day. You were jumping up and down and clapping. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, now, there's some people that don't even jump up and down and clap at ball games, but most people will clap at something. Eighty-five percent, ninety percent. I can't even. And the only ones that wouldn't are the ones who are losing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute! I'm gonna have to take a lap on that one. <laughs> Come on, <Rizzo. laughs> Oh my! Oh. <laughs> oh, I think this is the longest laughter interruption we've had What's in, this in a while. I tell you what. What are we drinking here? So, so might we say that those who don't express their worship at sometimes <laughs> are the ones who are losing? That's right. <laughs> Oh my! I tell you what, I just I, I think about eighty five percent of our listeners just clapped, and the That's other fifteen percent right. turned it off. <laughs> oh my! But you know, it's only befitting because this is enthusiastic. Yes, this we're, is our enthusiasm. We're winning. Yeah. Yes, and and so why, why was this not uh, so again that that God can't wait on theologians forever? Yeah. 
And so he brings about an experience that's poured out by Holy Spirit mm-hmm. worldwide. Mm. People that have this, this experience of just wanting to release in exuberant praise and hand clapping and even dancing and that God is someone to get excited about. You know, uh, Coach, I'm looking at uh, the definition of experience. Okay. A couple of things. Uh, One is practical knowledge, skill, or practice derived from direct observation of or participation in events or in particular activity. Another one is direct observation of or participation in events as a basis of knowledge. And another one is the fact or state of having been affected. That's probably the one I'm looking for. Having been affected by or gained knowledge through direct observation or participation. Yes. I hear participation in all three of these definitions. Yes. So that's a form of worship. In, the, in these pathways, we're participating in some form, but our experience is personal, though, right? I mean, yes. my experience is not the same as, as your experience. Yes, well, yeah, that's yeah. when people talk about a personal experience. Well, all experience is personal. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. You're, you're right about that. And, and we may have a national experience, but it only happens as it affects the individuals, mm-hmm. you know, with, within that, uh, that group of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, uh, oh, you, you kind of jumped on the word nerd thing you know, there. No, rolling with you for two years, uh, <laughs> it just rubs off. <laughs> yes, and, and I'm, I'm so glad, I'm, I'm so glad that we're doing that right now because uh, just, uh, again, the meaning of words and uh, to look at the meaning of words in the scripture mm-hmm. and then to think about uh, words that we use and to really make a, an impact. Uh, so experience and that it's something that it's uh, participatory. Now, I practiced a long time to get to say that. Yeah, say that three times participatory. fast. Three times fast, yeah. I just said. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but so, something that we want to, to experience, that, mm-hmm. that worship is something that, that, uh, that I take part of, that I, I'm not just an observer. Right. But again, we have some people who go and they, they're moved inside mm-hmm. by what someone else does and by what God does through them. Right. And then others are moved from the inside to do something at, to express that. Mm-hmm. And so again, to be able to understand that, uh, that, that not everyone has the same pathway. But that, that was an interesting thing to me about the charismatic movement, charismatic renewal, and, uh, you know, one of the things that it affected most was a form of what we would consider traditional worship because uh, I remember a time when uh, basically what we have now in the uh, contemporary worship services, mm-hmm. many churches that, you know, they'll, they'll stick with the old traditional, but they also have a contemporary service. And contemporary worship usually is a, a band, you know, drums and mm-hmm. guitars and... <laughs> Uh, a keyboard, mm-hmm. whereas it used to just be a, a piano and an organ, but uh, but uh, that that whole thing came as a, just a release of a new expression of worship through the uh, the Jesus revival in California in the '60s and the '70s, of which uh, uh, the the Jesus revival I think was the name of that movie. I'm kind of spacing right now. Uh, that that may have been it, but anyway, it was. Uh, 
uh, it was it was in the theaters for a while. Uh, but that whole thing, and, and it, it was a style of worship that came out of that, where it was like, okay, let's let's all participate in this, mm-hmm. and the formalities kind of break down, and so the people who need to have things in in a right particular order, uh, they uh, they're not comfortable with that. But the interesting thing to me is that there has been some type of charismatic expression of worship and that's global in every Christian denomination. <laughs> uh, I can remember uh, I learned uh, the basics of ministry to third world impoverished people through a charismatic Catholic parish in uh, El Paso, Texas. And that was at a time when it was like, you know, uh, Catholics were like way out here. Then we had Protestants, and mm-hmm. we're born again, and they aren't because they're just ritualistic and all that. And then, But then, man, I, I get there, and, and I go to this service, and then I find out later that it was a Catholic church. <laughs> oh, wow. And it, it didn't look anything Catholic. Why? Because it was being moved along by the Spirit, mm-hmm. moved along by grace. And and that, that happened in so many churches, I mean— around the world and I really feel like that one of the two reasons that uh, that it that, that the charismatic expression of worship has been uh, kind of pushed against one of the reasons is because um, it uh, it was really a move of God and so the enemy really was against it and another reason is because it was calling people to get out of their comfort zone in a way that they never had. And they had to make a decision about what is, what is God in me going to look like when he comes out. Ooh. Oh, wow. That, that's what it came down to. Wow. And then for someone to tell me that, that God can't look like you're making him look when you say you are worshiping. God can't look like that. So my question, Clarissa, is who was being divisive? <laughs> that, that was my question about it all. But actually, I mean, I had people when, when I got involved in the charismatic uh, renewal in the uh, early 1980s, I had people just totally write me off as cultic and, uh, and that, you know, hey, this uh, uh, Melvin is just, he's uh, gone off the deep end and, uh, you know, a, a cult leader even as a pastor, and but the, I feel like that the reason, one of the reasons is because the enemy was so uh, afraid of what was going to happen. That's right. That's right. And so it was uh, uh, the enthusiast. It's a way of expressing worship. And I would like to encourage all of us to uh, go back through this list, uh, download the, uh, and I, I've talked to some of our listeners, and they've downloaded. Yay! Uh, right. the uh, the assessment mm-hmm. and even ordered the book awesome uh, yes sacred pathways by Gary Thomas mm-hmm. and uh, an experience uh, purposefully a worship experience mm-hmm. in different pathways than you've had before just so you can appreciate someone and mainly so we can appreciate our Creator. Wow, this. 
this was a good one, Coach. And and you may have to pick up next week on a little bit more. I'm sure you didn't finish everything on The Enthusiast. Um, this is it's so many avenues on this, and so many people don't understand um, The Enthusiast. And, and like you said before, with the people think you're going off on the deep end and all that, but they're sitting in a seat of judgment because of their lack of understanding. Yeah. And so we have to, I think knowledge gives us the edge because um, God says that we perish because of the lack of knowledge. Yeah. And uh, and I really want you to share this link with your family, with your friends, with your network of people that you know, so that we all can be free to understand the true divine um, call of our own in particular, our particular worship and see what pathway we need to be on and embrace that. So guys, share the link and we'll see you back here next week.